Adding a few new skills to your toolbox and choosing to see things differently can radically change your life for the better. That's what this podcast is all about. Welcome to the Lion Boar Podcast. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Lion Boar Podcast. My name is Tori Zimmerman, your host, and I'm really excited to, to share with you the content that we've got for you today. You know, emotions play a critical role in conflict. Uh, the fact is that anger resulting from a sense of injustice or betrayal can can overwhelm hope and reason. And uh, we're going to be chatting today about uh, a tool that you can have in your conflict toolbox, really not just your conflict toolbox, but in your life toolbox uh, that can be utilized uh, when it's used appropriately to radically change the impact of conflict on your life. So really excited about that. Uh, we've entitled today's program, the armor piercing olive branch. So you might ask yourself what in the world is an armor piercing olive branch. Olive branch is uh, a symbol of peace. And yet when you use the word armor piercing, we are usually talking about a, a weapon of some kind that's powerful enough to crack through even the most hardened fortification. So we're talking today about a symbol of peace that can break through just about any hardened armor. And that is an authentic apology. So we're going to be talking about the power of an authentic apology today. Uh, not just a fake apology, uh, the kind that maybe you make when you're a kid and you're in a fight with a sibling and your parent says, now you two apologize to each other. And so you get together, you know, stand close to each other and you mumble, sorry, just to get your parents off your back. No, I'm not talking about that kind of an apology. I'm talking about authentic, heartfelt apology. So we're going to jump into that in just a moment. But before we do, I want to just remind you that uh, in our last episode, I mentioned that in January of 2021, we're going to be launching a brand new segment uh, to accompany the Lion Boar podcast, not to replace it. You, the Lion Boar podcast and Lion Boar Minutes will continue to exist just as they have been, uh, with the possible exception of adding some really good interviews that we are working to schedule, uh, even as I'm recording this episode. Uh, interviews with content experts who can add to your understanding and uh, and build your knowledge base when it comes to dealing effectively with conflict. Uh, they're names that you might even recognize. Uh, so really excited to bring some of that to you in the new year. But the Lionbore podcast will remain the same. So will Lionbore Minute. Uh, even as we add this brand new segment called Lion Boar Faith. We've had a number of people who've expressed an interest in looking at conflict from uh, sort of a spiritual perspective, a biblical perspective. And so that's what we're going to do. Uh, if you're not interested in that, no problem. You'll be able to continue to download the Lion Boar podcast as you have been. Uh, but if you are interested in uh, in that approach to conflict and understanding how faith and life intersect in the midst of conflict, we will have Lion Boar Faith for you beginning in January of 2021. So I just want to make sure I mention that to you. Uh, we're going to continue to forecast that because that's uh, kind of an exciting progression of the program. And again, one that's going to respond to a number of folks who have specifically requested that. So, all right, back to today's content. What about an authentic apology? Uh, and again, not a fake apology, but the real kind of heartfelt apology. Um, you know, why is that so powerful and how is it so powerful? In order to understand the answers to those questions, we need to understand the nature of conflict and hurt. So I want to spend just a few minutes talking about that. This is one of those episodes where it might feel like we're digging just a little bit deeper than, than maybe you normally would, would want to go. But I think it's really important that you understand what's happening in your brain when conflict occurs. This is something that not a lot of people talk about, uh, the sort of the realities of how the brain responds to conflict. But 
if we want to respond in a way that dispels the the frustration and the anger and paves the way to resolving conflict, you got to understand what's going on uh, at the chemical level in the brain. So I want to chat a little bit about that. So how does conflict evolve? Well, conflict often begins with fundamental disagreements or differences in interests of some kind. So, so maybe you disagree with somebody about a, a fundamental issue, one that's important and basic to both of you, or maybe you have a difference in interests. In other words, uh, maybe you both want or need the same thing and your conflict is over ownership. You know, who's going to own that thing? Typically, our conflict begins with those sort of um, substantial uh, issues or disagreements. Then at some point, we take our eyes off of those actual issues. And at that point, we tend to progress toward personal attack. So let me give you an example. Uh, I've, I've mediated quite a few divorce cases where couples have said, are we intend to separate uh, and, and divorce? We intend to, uh, to separate from our current status of, of married couple. And in doing that, we need to divide up our property. We need to uh, make sure that our kids are taken care of. We need to make sure that we have a custodial agreement in place governing who spends what time and how much with the kids. We need to go to cover all these issues. So they start out with this kind of a fundamental list of, of interests, right? These, this list of real things that have to be done or decided upon. At some point, we move from who's going to own the house to you are such a selfish jerk. And I think when that happens, people tend to, they're not surprised because it's a natural progression of human nature. But I honestly think we ought to be able to take a step back and see that coming and to understand what's happening and how we move from fundamentally disagreeing over substance to name calling. How do we, how, what happened in that transition and how do we learn to understand what's going on there? So I want to talk a little bit with you about, about the brain and how the brain responds to, uh, to conflict and attack. So here's the deal. Uh, as I mentioned, your conflict starts out with something substantial. At some point you take your eyes off of those actual issues and move toward personal attack. When personal attack happens, they usually result in feelings of offense. And as soon as somebody feels offended, I mean, truly offended to the degree that there's a risk of loss, as there often is when we're negotiating property ownership, a part of the brain called the amygdala gets triggered. And the amygdala is a, is a little part of the brain, probably about the size of an almond or so, uh, but it triggers the threat response. Not to oversimplify, but it is the control center of our fight or flight response. Okay. It's also, and this is interesting, kind of a side note. Uh, no extra charge for this for you today. Uh, it's also interesting to note the, that the amygdala is critical to memory function. And if you're somebody who's been in conflict with somebody else and you've experienced a fight or flight response in that conflict, that probably doesn't surprise you because you probably have a hard time forgetting that experience. When fight or flight is triggered, it's memorable. And in, in fact, uh, I tend to believe that this is oftentimes how grudges are held on to for so long because when we're offended by somebody to the point that we feel like we need to lash out or get out of there, when our response is that significant, we don't forget it. And part of the reason we don't forget is because those two functions, uh, that part of memory and the actual fight or flight itself are both handled by the same part of the brain, the amygdala. Okay. So I just want you to understand what's happening uh, and what's going on within the brain when you get into a conflict situation that's deeply offensive. Why is it important? Because 
the reality is that response, that fight or flight response is almost instantaneous. It's very fast. And if you think about it, you can understand why it would have to be. If you are out on the battlefield and you are suddenly in grave mortal danger, you need to be able to respond quickly to get yourself out of danger. If you're driving and uh, all of a sudden somebody veers their car in front of you while you're driving, you have to be able to quickly respond to get yourself out of that situation. So fight or flight happens very, very quickly in the brain. It's super important that we all understand that that fight or flight response, that instantaneous response comes before a rational response by a long shot, by a huge amount of time. We are emotional in our responses way before we're rational in our responses in most cases. So why is that important? Well, I want to circle back around to conflict, um, move our attention away from battlefield or driving uh, examples and move back toward conflict. We can actually work through conflict in a number of different ways. You can certainly wait until after the conflict uh, bomb has gone off, as I sometimes say, wait till after the conflict bomb has gone off. Then you can come back and you can survey the devastation and try to come up with a plan to recover. Or you can learn to be more conscious of the signs that conflict is developing and about to explode and learn to head it off before it does. So understanding how the brain responds to conflict, being able to sort of see that happening and see it unfolding as it occurs gives you the ability to intervene and stop it before it it goes nuclear and explodes everything, explodes relationships, explodes uh, your uh, personal security, your sense of stability, your wealth, your family, all the things that conflict can, can blow up. If you can understand what's happening as it's happening, you can learn to head it off. When we come back from a short break, we're going to talk about how destructive conflict develops, and we're going to identify some key points in that process where we can stop it. And then we're going to lay out the why and the how an authentic apology can begin to disarm even the most negative conflict and head things off at the past, turn them around and get them heading back in the right direction. All that and more right after this. Welcome back to the Lion Boar Podcast. I'm your host, Tori Zimmerman, and today we're talking about the power of an authentic apology. So again, just for the sake of discussion, I want to double back and we, we touched on this earlier, but I want to reemphasize how conflict tends to develop. Usually it begins with some fundamental disagreement over maybe a belief or something like that, uh, or some fight over shared interests. Um, several people want the same thing and are competing over ownership of that thing. It's usually how it starts. Well, then at some point, the tone changes and attention begins to move away from those fundamental issues toward personal attack, toward emotional uh, attack. If you've engaged in personal attack, what are the results? Well, there are some key results of negative personal conflict that are really important to note. First of all, real harm is done, right? You, you end up attacking the person and not the issues. So there's real harm that's, that's done there. Uh, insulting character and calling into question the person's credibility and honor and character and all that. There's real harm that's been done. Whether you meant to or not, you've probably placed blame on the other person. Um, let's think back to the the example I gave you earlier where a couple who is divorcing is talking about who should own a home. It starts off with the question who should own the house and ends up with one of them calling the other one a selfish jerk. We've moved from talking about the issues to 
citing the person's character as the problem. So now you're placing blame on the other person for causing the problem because of who they are. All right. That criticism points out flaws and tends to imply blame on those flaws for causing the problem. And those insults cut deeply and they imply that the person's the problem, not the disagreement over the issues. Who you are is much more difficult to change than what you disagree over. So when someone's told that the problem is who they are, they're much more likely to lose hope or to have less hope that that any kind of a resolution can be reached. So it makes the problem more difficult to solve. Also, insults and personal attacks tend to be insincere, and everybody knows it. We do it anyway, but we all know it. We're like, hey, just a minute ago, we were talking about who owns the house, and now you're calling me names. Trust gets undermined in that process, right? I don't believe that you're, I can't believe how you're acting toward me, and I and you would be willing to throw our relationship under the bus and and toss all that aside just for what you want, and man, now your character's in question, and, and I don't trust you anymore. You don't trust me, and I don't trust you, so trust is lost. So personal attack has done real harm. It's pointed the finger of blame at the other person. It's left the other person hopeless and it's undermined trust. Those are kind of four key uh, results, negative results of personal conflict. The reason why it's so critical to understand this is um, because we have to understand uh, the nature of the conflict and how it develops in order to see and understand how authentic apologies could be so powerful and so important. Okay, so let's dive into an authentic apology. For the sake of discussion, let me start with an example, uh, sort of a sample conflict situation, and then we'll break down uh, a, a potential apology and sort of see how it works to reverse the effects that we've talked about here, the negative effects of personal conflict. So, okay, let's say I work at ABC Manufacturing. Okay, I've been, I've been there for years. I've been bucking for a promotion for some time, and finally an opportunity has arisen to figure out uh, how, to fi- how to fix a well-known problem in our manufacturing process. There's some kind of a flaw in our process. I think that if I can figure out how to fix this problem and present the idea to upper management, I could really get their attention and I could make it clear that I'm the guy, I'm the right choice for the promotion. Before I can propose my solution to upper management, a coworker that I've actually grown to like over the years and enjoyed working with beats me to the punch. He proposes his own solution and management is so impressed that they talk about giving him the promotion instead of me. Now we have a conflict. He and I suddenly find ourselves in competition for the same thing, right? The same value, that promotion. So things get tense. They get tense. Management sees that we're not working well together and they order us to sit down and work it out. So because we have to, we sit down and we start to talk. And here's how that goes. I make it clear that I wanted the promotion. He counters, telling me that he feels he deserves the promotion every bit as much as I do. Then I respond by telling him that he's just a selfish opportunist and doesn't really care about the company at all. And he's throwing me under the bus for his own personal gain. And now we have a mess, right? It's what we've been talking about. These four effects of of personal conflict. And this makes it clear. Number one, I've done real harm. I've insulted him and I've put him on the offensive. Number two, I've basically blamed him for creating the situation. It's, It's not that we both want the same promotion. It's that he's a selfish opportunist right? I'm assaulting his character. Uh, and that, uh, in essence, makes goes on to number three, uh, reduces his ability to be hopeful about this. If he feels like his character is the problem, that's much harder to fix than, uh, than two people fighting over a promotion. And lastly, I've let him know that I don't trust him, that uh, I, I believe that he was willing to throw me under the bus for his own personal gain. Whether or not that's true, if he knows that's not true, 
then he obviously can't trust my perspective. And I've already made it clear that I don't trust him. So now we have a loss of trust. So here's the deal. Ideally, I should have felt myself heating up when I learned that my coworker was gunning for the same promotion I wanted, right? And even gunning, even that language is is biased, isn't it? Because like I'm already assuming that he's gunning instead of my coworker is interested in the same opportunity to advance that I am. I mean, who wouldn't want an opportunity to advance? He's gunning. He's gunning for the same promotion I want. I should have felt that happening. I should have felt that heating up. I should have felt my getting myself getting warm under the collar. And at that point, I could have taken a deep breath, could have reminded myself that everybody at work is encouraged to work toward making the company more successful. I mean, that's what we're all paid for, right? And I could have recognized that my fight response was more the result of fearing that my capable coworker might get what I want than it was anger toward what a horrible person he was who's trying, you know, he's trying to undermine the company and all that. That's rubbish. That's baloney. We know that, right? That's me making up stories in my head. And if I could have gotten that far, taken a deep breath, understood that what I was really, how I was really responding was really rooted in fear that he would get the promotion and I wouldn't. I could have taken another deep breath because deep breathing is important in these situations. I could have chosen to refocus on the issue being the best that I could be to get the promotion rather than you know just crushing the opposition and making a mess of a good relationship in the process. But that ideal hasn't happened. Okay, I screwed it up. So now what can I do? If I haven't gone about this the right way and felt myself heating up and, and headed that off at the past, now what can I do? Is there any way that I can salvage this relationship? My own credibility is probably shot now because everybody knows we're fighting and everybody knows what a big jerk I am. And they know how insecure I am. And why would management want an insecure jerk? Uh, why would they promote that kind of person rather than a, a hardworking person? Uh, so I've, I've created, I've made this worse than it needed to be. So is there anything that I can do? Well, now I would say it is time to apologize. I am after all wrong, aren't I? Right? So here's how I might go about it in order to counteract the four negative personal effects of conflict. Again, just to reiterate those. Number one, I've created real harm. Number two, I place blame on the other person. And number three, um, I have reduced his hopefulness and hope in the situation. And number four, I have uh, undermined trust. Okay. So how might I apologize in a way that seeks to counteract those four negative effects? We're going to take a short break. And when we return, we'll dive right in on the Lambor Podcast. Welcome back to the Limebore Podcast. My name is Tori Zimmerman, your host, and we are talking today about the power of an authentic apology. And right before the break, we laid out sort of a sample conflict situation, a workplace situation where two people are, are in essence, competing for the same promotion. And uh, I was playing the part of one of those individuals and wound up uh, uh, blaming hostility between myself and, and my workplace competitor on that person's bad character when uh, when that really wasn't true. So we decided that uh, at that point, it's time to apologize. I am after all wrong. So uh, let me lay out kind of a, a perspective apology for you. Um, again, kind of keeping in mind those four negative impacts or negative effects of personal conflict. Again, just for the sake of discussion, number one, uh, there's real harm done, real hurt or harm done. Number two, there's blame placed. 
uh, on the other person. Number three, I, I take away their hope by undermining or insulting their character rather than focusing on the actual issues that we're, we're in conflict over uh, because character is harder to change than issues. And fourthly, undermining trust. Um, my whole approach to this is not worthy of their trust. And I've made it clear that I don't trust them either. So trust is gone. Uh, so I, there are those four damages or negative effects of, of bad personal conflict. So my apology, what might that look like when I've decided that I need to apologize? What might it look like? Well, let me just read through kind of a sample apology for you or speak through it. And then we'll go back and, and see uh, how this apology and this particular structure uh seeks to reverse the those four negative effects of bad conflicts. Here we go. I might say something like this. Look, I know that I have unfairly questioned your character and I've accused you of, of being the cause of conflict between us. And I just want you to know that I, I messed up. That was a mistake. I realize that you're interested in solving this manufacturing problem for the same reasons that I am. You want to make the company better. You want to improve your, your personal position. There's nothing wrong with either of those goals. So I messed up. Um, the reality is I've been working hard and I was excited about this promotion, but look at the end of the day, if I'm going to get it or lose it, I want to get it or lose it for the right reasons and in the right way. So I'm sorry that I lost sight of that. I'm sorry that I blamed you and that I made a mess here. Uh, and that I made this personal. Can you forgive me? And, uh, and if they respond positively to that, then I might go on and say, look, how about if, how about if I let management know, or maybe we can let them know together that we've talked through this. And let them know that we've worked out our differences, and uh, and so that this this conflict doesn't hold either of us back uh, anymore. Okay, so that might be an approach that I would take. And uh, so let's look at each of those parts. First, look, uh, I know that I've unfairly questioned your character, and I've accused you of being the cause of the conflict. That's noting the damage that's been done, right? The first negative impact of bad conflict, bad personal conflict, is that there's real damage done, there's real harm done. This is acknowledging that, taking an inventory of it. Um, I've bashed your character and I've accused you of being the cause of the conflict between us. Those aren't right. I've done damage. Uh, negative impact number two is placing blame on, on somebody else when it's actually your fault. Uh, so you take responsibility for that. I went on to say, I screwed up. I messed up. I realize that you're interested in solving this, uh, this dilemma that we've got here for the same reasons I am. Making the company better and improving your position. Those are good goals. They're, they're perfectly acceptable. You weren't wrong. And then you restore hope by saying, look, um, I have been working hard and I was excited about the promotion, um, but if I'm going to get it or lose it, I want to get it or lose it for the right reasons, the right way. I'm sorry I lost sight of that and I made this personal. That was wrong. Can you forgive me? You give the person hope that this can actually be fixed and that uh, you, you validate them and let them know that they weren't the problem that you were. And then lastly, how about if we let management know that uh, we've talked and, and let them know that we've worked things out? There's a possibility that because you were both sent back to the table to have a discussion because management knew that you weren't working well together, that other person might have felt like, great, now I have a black eye uh, and management's looking at me disfavorably because of this, what this joker did and what he said and, and how he wouldn't work with me. And so you're basically saying, let me, let me go back and help make this right. Let me help fix this so that uh, this doesn't hold you back and we can both move forward. And then after that, Hey, may the best person win, you know? So these kinds of apologies where you take responsibility for your part or whole uh, of the problem, where you Remove the blame that you improperly placed on the other person and put it back where it belongs on yourself, if it's indeed yours, where you 
you work to restore trust and you work to restore hope. These are good apologies. And they can have a tremendous impact, positive impact on your conflict situations going forward. So just a few thoughts about the power of a, an authentic apology, how they have the ability to crack through even the toughest armor. Uh, I've, I've watched very practically, I've watched apologies um, when they occur, when they're, when they're authentic. I've watched them make tremendous differences in, in mediation settings where people are really angry with each other really frustrated and really determined not to work with each other. I've watched apologies soften facial expressions and calm people down. And I watch people who receive an apology, take a deep breath and settle into their chairs. And suddenly a miracle happens. Constructive conversation starts again. Constructive conversations resume. Apologies are very powerful because they work to counteract those negative impacts of of bad personal conflicts. So don't apologize for things that aren't your fault, but man, when something is, take responsibility for it. Figure out a way to try to counteract its its negative effects. And uh, my recommendation is hit for the fence, you know, uh, apologize authentically, and then follow through with uh, with whatever promises you make or whatever commitments that you make. Um, develop a plan that will prevent the offense from happening again. Learn to recognize when you're heating up in a conflict situation. Uh, again, there are two approaches to, to dealing with conflict. One is to, is to see it coming and head it off at the pass. That's always better. So learn to recognize symptoms in yourself. Learn to recognize when you're beginning to get your feathers ruffled, uh, when you're feeling offended, when you're feeling fearful, when you're getting angry. Oftentimes anger, again, is an indication of loss of control. So when you feel like you're starting to lose control, you might also be feeling angry. Pay attention. Uh, be self-aware when you're in those situations and before conflict explodes and the only option you have is to try to recover after all the damage has been done, try to head it off at the pass. And sometimes the best way to do that is to, is to stop the negative progression of conflict by an authentic apology, super effective, super high impact, not easy, but really very simple. Learn to perfect the fine art of the authentic apology. That's all for this week's episode, but we invite you to tune in again next week when we'll take on the challenge of self-doubt right here on the Lion Boar Podcast. <laughs> <laughs>